0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. We're going to do something a little different on this episode. So I'm going to be talking about episodes 406 through 407 which are the filler episodes. And I will also be doing a quick review of the Sabote arc as well. And of course these don't cover any manga chapters as they are the historical Luffy, Oyabun sort of filler arcs that we've seen in the past. Alright, so I guess first off, I'll start with the review of the Saboti arc. So yeah, this arc was amazing. Uh, Easily one of the best arcs, and despite the fact that it's really meant as just sort of a way station to set up elements for the near and long-term future of the series, it still managed to feel not only significant and exciting, but also very fresh. This arc does such an amazing job balancing and introducing so many things, yet also tells a compelling story all on its own. So first off, let's talk about all the new and interesting things that will go on to play a huge role in the series. I think the two most significant things are the Worst Generation Pirates and Haki. So the worst generation as a whole are such an interesting concept because it now creates rivals for Luffy as opposed to just straight up villains. Sure, some of them do feel like they could end up being villains later on. But for the most part, I like that uh, the idea that we get to face, you know, we get the faces of some of the other pirates of this great pirate age and it really does back up that sense that it's a race to the one piece like it's depicted in the opening intro to we are and up till now it just kind of felt like the pirate crews we've encountered were more so obstacles than actual rivals that were going alongside luffy so i like this new dynamic not only that but the new characters and their powers are all insanely cool uh, especially characters like Law, Kid, beg, and Deus Drake Especially are really cool And it'll be fun to see the all of them in the rest of the series As well as the other members of the Worst Generation as well Now Haki on the other hand was a really interesting introduction Or I guess a proper reintroduction As we've seen this power from the very beginning But we now have an explanation for that scene Where Shanks saves Luffy in his flashback But having a power set apart from Devil Fruits, as I mentioned in the other episodes, is really interesting since it will continue to allow non-fruit users to be a credible threat against them. And so we have sort of this balancing of power. Now, of course, Devil Fruits are still going to be incredibly powerful. But I do like the idea that now, going forward, there will be a mechanism for people like Zoro and Sanji... And even Luffy to be able to face a, you know face off against other Devil Fruit users. Then the significant introductions, uh, I would say, in this in story-wise, are the World Nobles or the Celestial Dragons. This now sets up a whole new set of antagonists to the series. Sort of the seedy underbelly of the world. But really, it gives the series a sense of grounded realness... As we, you know, people like them really do exist in our own real world, you know, the rich, powerful elite, which mean, you know, which kind of leads me into the other thing this arc does so well, is introducing some very mature, real, and sometimes even darker themes and moments that we've yet to see in the series. Speaking of antagonists and villains, I mean, holy crap, did we get some scary ones with the pacifistas. Sentomaru, and above all else, the newest admiral, Kizaru. We got a taste of what the power of an admiral really was. I mean, with Aokiji, we, we, you know, we did see that, but we finally get to see an admiral that really has no mercy and is at the height of their power. And yeah, it was relentless and suffocating to see, which was awesome, to be honest. You know, I love Aokiji, but seeing seeing a marine admiral as the way they've been described, particularly by Robin, in terms of just how overwhelming they are. And we finally got to see to what extent that overwhelming power is really like. you know. And in addition to sort of the aforementioned uh, mature themes, you know, we get also introduced to things like classism, slavery, and human trafficking, all introduced in, in this arc, which will go on to play a, a bigger role in... And as we'll see with the with the next subsequent few arcs, we get to see, again, elaborate more and more on sort of these more mature and darker themes, particularly with Amazon Lily, Impel Down, and yeah, we will, and eventually we'll get to some of the more other ones uh, later on, which I won't really mention here to avoid some spoilers. But yeah, also from a story perspective, we get to see a complete breakdown of the Straw Hats, which was very shocking to see. This is the first time we've ever seen the Straw Hats end an arc on a complete downer. On a defeat, really. In addition, we get to see Roger humanized a bit instead of seeing him as a sort of nebulous mythological figure. And we we see that he was, in fact, human with real connections and friends, as well as the fact that he more or less died of an illness rather than the execution And so really, it really puts puts Roger into perspective. You know, he's up till now, he's been sort of this mythologicalized like figurehead that didn't seem quite real. But now the more we learn about him, and this is really the first time we've gotten any significant real details about, you know, who Roger was. This really does kind of put him in a different perspective. And this also served to really deepen Luffy's character as well. You know, we really see what this journey means to Luffy, how he thinks, what the One Piece means to him. And it also humbles Luffy to an extent we've never seen. It'll be interesting to see from here on out, like how he handles this defeat and and this complete failure because it's something that's been being set up in the story for a while now. And it's finally come to pass. And now we get to see just how luffy will respond to that you know with his overwhelming optimism can he actually bounce back from this lastly this arc's stories and moments were absolutely incredible i think that's one thing that this arc always stands out is just seeing some of the most like crazy moments in the series like the seeing the emotional highs and lows and everything in between was just absolutely incredible this arc definitely made you feel things (laughs) And I and I love the comedy and the good vibes at the beginning with Duval, but then as the arc progresses, the feeling gets a bit more uneasy until it crescendos into this fever pitch and all out chaos, and then ending in despair. And yeah, this sort of emotional roller coaster is something we have yet to experience because, again, like most arcs in One Piece, yes, there have been some like really you know tense moments but most of the time it's always been sort of this upbeat like okay we can come back from this or oh yeah we're building to this you know no matter how hopeless it does seem there's always this sort of sense of optimism but this is like the first time where you start to really feel sort of that uneasiness it's like yeah the straw hats have gotten out of some tight situations but this seems really impossible and then you get to that ending and it's like not only was it impossible, but they just completely were outclassed. And this is like a depressing ending to an arc. Like, holy crap. It it was really shocking and chilling and and incredibly sobering when you actually first read or watched this. I I, like At least it was for me. And so uh, definitely it was very different uh, in terms of what, you know, storytelling and sort of the, the trajectory that the story went in, you know, Obviously, it has, like I said, the emotional highs were crazy. And some of the best most memorable moments of the series are contained in this arc with Luffy's like oh so satisfying punch on Charlos, Rayleigh coming out of nowhere to save Zoro. And then finally, you know, it's not the best, but it's one of the more memorable scenes is seeing the defeat of the Straw Hats and and seeing Luffy just like crying like in in frustration that image is so ingrained in all of our minds. And yeah, all in all, an amazing arc that I have very little negative to say about. I I, I honestly can't really pick out too many negative things about this arc, to be honest. Yeah, I I, I can't really think of anything. And so yeah, I'd say great arc. It, it is a little bit on the shorter side, but honestly, again, it's, it's supposed to be sort of a way station, but we ended up getting an incredible amount of new content. For the story and, set, and Oda just uses Sabori to set up basically the rest of the story. And he, boy, yeah, he really does. Oh, and I even forgot to mention the fact that this arc also sets up the fact that Ace is about to be executed. And that's basically setting up a war between you know the Marines, the world government, and Whitebeard. And you know Luffy's going to be somehow involved in that. And he's obviously going to want to save his brother Ace at some point. But can he do it without his crew? It'll be really interesting to see. But yeah, so that's kind of my review and thoughts about Sabote as a whole. Now with the review over, let's move on to the pair of filler episodes that directly follow the end of the Sabote arc. So we'll start with the synopsis. So there's a grand shrine race happening in the far off land of Grand Japang. And the local teams, including our heroes, the Pinwheel Eatery Team, comprised of the Straw Hats, are set to compete in the race against the cheating and sabotaging ways of the Thriller Company. Alright, so let's just jump into my thoughts, since we obviously there are no differences. Um, So yeah, we get a short two-episode filler arc back in the feudal Japan era in the land of Grand Japang. Like I've said in the past, I actually enjoy these fillers. They're short and fun, but the best part is we get to see different characters that we'd never really get to see interact with each other and share the screen, which makes for some very funny moments. One thing that always disappoints me about these, though, is the fact that Zoro always plays such a small role in these stories as he's just kind of like a wanderer sleeping most of the time in the background, which is still very much the case, although he does have a slightly larger role in this story. But yeah, unlike the past filler episodes set around this separate Elseworlds story, the two episodes are actually connected and make up one slightly longer story about how the hats are competing against other teams in in a portable shrine race against many other teams composed of several familiar faces we've seen in the main story. And these are new characters that we've, that we've been introduced to since the last Grand Japan episodes. Also, because these are connected episodes, we get to see the to Be Continued, but the usual one that's written in English for their main story, instead, we don't get that one, but the original one in Japanese reading, tsuzuku, which is Japanese for To Be Continued, that we haven't actually seen used since episode 2. Now, the race is composed of four teams, essentially. Aside from our main straw hat team, a.k.a. the pinwheel eatery team, we've got the legendary flying fish riders comprised of the, well, the Flying Fish Rider Gang, uh, led by Duval. The Rolling Express, comprised of the Rolling Pirates, or Lola's Pirate Crew. And then finally, the Thriller Company, comprised of the Moria Pirates, except Moria is not part of this story, and is headlined instead by Dr. Hogback. And I never noticed up until now, I saw uh, up until I saw this episode... But they tend to u- avoid using the big villains and opt only to bring in the more silly and comical villains like Buggy, Mr. Three, and Hogback for the most part. And I don't know. I wonder if that's because the more villainous ones like, the, like have that intimidating nature that doesn't quite fit with the light comedic tone of these stories or maybe, I don't know, maybe because they don't want to dilute those specific characters sort of vil- villainous reputation in the eyes of the audience. Maybe that's why they don't use him. Either that or maybe i don't know i'm maybe thinking too deeply about this and it's just sort of they don't want they they just don't want to use those characters or they don't fit the story very well so yeah um kind of uh, sort of a, a segue into the subject of, of this this filler arc you know what is a portable shrine and so in japanese they're called mikoshi Which is a sacred religious shrine that's often transported to a temporary shrine during a matsuri or a festival. They're often sort of in a uh, palanquin that several people carry on their shoulders and transport, kind of like the Ark of the Covenant from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And so for this story, they all make their own specific mikoshis and they race carrying them and see who can reach the finish line first. And in typical 80s movie fashion, We see one team trying to cheat their way to victory by sabotaging the other teams. And the race seems to be more of a backdrop for a story that revolves around Brooke and sort of him regaining his memories and sort of him finding a new family, I guess you can say. And it's kind of funny that Brooke isn't wearing period-appropriate clothes like everyone else, and instead he's just wearing his normal clothes with a... Sort of a, a bun on his head <laughs> He does eventually change into Era appropriate clothing uh, By the end of the first episode Or episode 406 And I also in, the, in this story Instead of a violin He plays a flute Which how in the world does Brooke play a flute With no lips I mean, this is amazing. Uh, I don't, I don't understand. Well, I mean, obviously nothing about Brook makes any sense. But the fact that he's trying to play or he's playing a flute is amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I like how all the other rivals come to the Strong Hats' aid to provide help and materials from their broken down Mikoshis. Just like how both the Flying Fish Riders and the Rolling Pirates in the real series help the Strong Hats. It's kind of got that same vibe and feeling of togetherness that the series is so good at creating. And I, and I like that, you know, I like that again, I like how these fillers sort of still keep the main theme or same sort of feel of the uh, of the main story. I, I I appreciate that the fillers in One Piece are at least still trying to stay on brand if that makes any sense. Plus, it makes sense that in order to kind of stick it to the Thriller Company that messed up the other people's, um, you know, shrines, that they'd want to at least pool all their resources to one team to see if they can beat the Thriller Company and by having at least one team enter. And I think one of my favorite gags in this filler is when the Sunny Shrine gets knocked into the stands towards the beginning of the race, Brook re-emerges with water and goldfish flapping around in his ice eye, ball eye sockets it's it's a really funny image <laughs> and then later on they follow up this gag where something similar happens again but now he's got like this huge fish in his mouth <laughs> um yeah i i really found that joke kind of funny it's also hilarious that eventually the shrine race that's supposed to be done on foot with people carrying the shrine turns into basically a regular vehicular race because <laughs> they both sprout like wheels and they're automated not only that but I cracked up pretty hard when Absalom called out isn't that cheating and when the Sunny transforms and then Sanji barks back you're one to talk and I think when Sanji barks back at people for their hypocrisy is it's one of the funniest things throughout the entire series and I love uh, Hirata Hiroki's like comedic timing it is superb they eventually do win the race, and it turns out the sacred prize for winning the race, really random, are a golden set of women's panties. Like, I'll be honest, I thought these were first, like, for Frankie to replace his Speedo, since I feel like they were setting this up in the first episode by having him show up, you know, having lost his loincloth. And it's such a random ending, but... Like I said, I found this short break from the intensity of the main story pretty fun and funny, but I don't quite understand the golden panty thing. (laughs) Anyways, one one fun and also kind of sad fact about these two episodes is that you may have noticed a new character that kind of seems a little out of place, and that's the new character of Mao, the new waitress character, and... She is played by Mao Kobayashi, who was a famous newscaster and anchor, uh, as well as actor, in the 2000s, and, and maybe even the early 2010s. Not only does she do the voice care of the character, but she's also the inspiration for her as well, and also the name of the characters named after her. So it's, it's, it's essentially her in the story. And I couldn't, I unfortunately couldn't find any information on why she was included in these episodes. But One Piece has always been known, as we've talked about in past episodes, for the series to insert real life people in animated form and have them cameo in random places. Like, for example, the members of Boy Style, the group that sang Kokoro no Chizu, show up during the filler portions of the debut back fight as sort of people in the crowd at the at the food stands and stuff like that. And these cameos are always really fun and cool as they do happen fairly infrequently. I mean it is regular, but it is very infrequent. But my guess my best guess as to why she cameoed is because she was a newscaster on several of the shows on Fuji TV just a few years prior to when this episode originally aired. By the time this episode aired she was already retired because she had started a family. Which, of course, Fuji TV is the same network that One Piece airs on. And perhaps maybe she was even a fan. I was never able to really confirm or deny this um, through my research anyways. But it is really cool that she she got the cameo in two of these episodes. And actually played a pretty decent role uh, or sizable role in these two episodes. Sadly, though, Mao Kobayashi passed away in 2017 at the insanely young age of 34 from breast cancer, which is just so sad and tragic. She did write a blog talking about her experiences and feelings while she was battling cancer as a way for her to express her thoughts and feelings, but also to help others who may be going through a similar experience. That blog became very big at the time and can still be actually be read. While I've never read it myself, parts of it have been officially translated to English at her husband's request to help spread, you know, his wife's words to a bigger audience to help as many people as possible, which I think was really great. Um, And it's a nice thought that, you know, before cancer, she got to be immortalized in animated form in one piece and will live on forever there. So, you know, obviously it's very sad and tragic that we lost her, but... I'm glad that she got to be a part of this, and and there's also some promo pics of her um, getting pictures with uh, t- uh, Mayumi Tanaka, the voice of Luffy, uh, when she did this episode, and so yeah, it was it's a really cool thing, but yeah, really sad. 34, man, that's just too young, you know. But anyways, yeah, so. That brings this podcast to a close. And on the next podcast, we're going to be getting back to the main story to find out what happened after that insane conclusion to the Saboti arc. And we'll begin the Amazon Lily arc, which I cannot wait for. Then anyways, if you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. If you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at SunnyGoPodcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes or see some pictures of my manga collection check that out as well obviously no spoiler section for this but as always i wanted to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast stay safe out there and i hope to see you on the next episode bye